Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... Uh, it's my pleasure to bring back the Jew crew uh, to the BTR podcast, Noah Rubin and Jamie Loeb. And frankly, even saying that made me uncomfortable, but um, I feel, you know, just like an honorary member. Um, was that anti-Semitism? Or was I, that... Yeah, no, I, I fully embrace the anti-Semitism as much as I possibly can. I'm going to Florida in a couple days, so I figured that'll help me fit right in. <laughs> That's where you're going. Mm. <laughs> Boca Boca is the promised land for us. Yeah. How's Miami? Mm. Seen better days. Yeah, no kidding. Um, it's great to be joined by Jamie Loeb. We haven't had Jamie here in, in quite some time. Uh, how's um, your, your TikTok page with the snacks has not really come to fruition yet. I'm a little disappointed, but um, we're working on it. Working on, I know. I was actually thought about you today because I did get a couple of snacks. I'm like, oh, I should do a review, but I don't know. Well, I have snacks for you. I have, I have a few snacks for you, new ones. I'll send it over your way. All right, some, I'll take some a look. delicious vegan chips that are that are unbelievable, gluten free and vegan. And they have the cheese ones. I'll send you over some things. We got some stuff. I'll see if it's Jamie approved. Yeah, you'll see if it's Jamie approved. It's very, I can't even afford it. I can't afford to eat this way. <laughs> no, nobody can, really. Nobody uh, can. But interestingly, we're talking about what you guys, as tennis players and one former tennis player, what you can afford. Um, Dennis Shapovalov recently, uh, with his big article about the fact that um, prize money is not equal uh, across the men's and the women's tour. And I think, obviously, uh, there, there was a lot of discussion about at the highest levels. Um, Grand Slams doing a better job, obviously, of making sure that there is equal pay at that level. But we wanted to kind of explore what it's like at the lower levels. And so before maybe we talk a little bit specifically, um, anecdotally, uh, Jamie, we'll start with you. What what are the biggest difference financially that you see on the women's tour versus the men's? Yeah, it's, it's a bigger difference than many uh really know about but especially on the itf circuit we have to pay for our hotels and um i know on the men's side the challenger sides uh they get their hotel covered for and um so that's a big one even though the itf is now implementing 80 k's and above they'll be paying for the hotel but i know it's starting the day before um main draw starts which i feel like it's better than nothing but no one's getting there just the day before so people are getting there still two to three days before the event 
Um, and prize money. Um, I know there's definitely still a huge gap between prize money um, in our event compared to the men. And oh, I was getting a call. Um, yeah, prize money has just been a big gap for a while now. So, and last thing too, um, streaming services where the men, all the matches are streamed and it's, they're all archived. And then the women's side, you're lucky for it to be on a random betting site, but you can never play it back. And the majority of the time people are asking me, where can I watch your matches? I don't even know. And I would like to watch my matches. Yeah. I think the streaming is the trickiest subject by far, you know, working on this documentary they're working on, we were looking for some footage of a girl and you just can't find it. Like this, you just can't find any. And it's actually remarkable where, you know, I can go back and, and find a billion matches of mine. Um, and I, I just can't find somebody playing tennis that, you know, is a hundred in the world. It, it's, it's a little disheartening for, to try to get anything off the ground in terms of marketing in term, you know, in that regard. But yeah, I, that's, that's why, why, why is that important to you, Jamie? Why is it the, which the part? streaming, the streaming component? Yeah. Why is that important? Um, you know, I think one exposure, uh, brands that want to work with you, they want to be seen. They want to be seen by other people. They want to be on TV. They, they want to know that they're getting recognition. And if my matches aren't televised or even on a streaming platform, they can't get that recognition. And it becomes harder to get sponsors and people to, you know, want to give you product and want you to represent them because you're not being seen. And that's a huge part of our sport and sports in general. Hey, yeah, sorry, Mike. No, um, bringing it to something, and and there's no <laughs> there's no great way to say it. I don't want to put down other sports necessarily, but I think within the sport of tennis, it's a very similar product in a lot of ways. You know, I think it's the closest matchup. You know, when you're comparing NBA versus WNBA, there's you're looking at a different product altogether. Where I think in the tennis side of things, you know, I think the beauty of it is is how similar. The sport can be is probably the closest representation on both sides between men and women playing at the highest level and and going to slams and seeing you know on one court you have the number one woman in the world and the number one man you know a court away and I think there's an interesting product to be had but you feel separate a lot of times and I know the conversations you and I have you know it feels separate it feels like you almost don't belong and you're 10 years behind the men you know how has that kind of been early on for you kind of coming into the world of tennis, what are those feelings like and how has that evolved over time? Yeah, I think there's still a ways to go um, for the WTA and ITF to make it feel more inclusive. Um, you know, I was talking to Mike recently and just talking about like combined events and how much better and how more organized the events are when there is a men's event going on, like such as there is a challenger in Calgary um, end of last fall and it was a very good event and there like the streaming was great the food was great like hospitality even though the men got their hotel paid for and the women didn't and I think this mm. year they're going to work on that but we were pretty upset about that um, but just the organization the transportation I think the tournament car was Porsche something like that everything okay. was very organized but a lot of the times that happens because of the men, unfortunately. And I would like to see it where the women are the one, you know, maybe bringing in the money and can do it on, on our own without the help 
of the men. So here's one important distinction that I think we have to make and it comes to kind of what we're talking about here when it comes to just organizationally who's running things um you know this this is kind of like easy stuff for us because we're so used to it but for for people who might not understand at the challenger level on the men's side those are atp challengers they have atp backing um typically ATP supervisors. So it is from the top down. That's why the streaming is involved as well, because that is all paid for by the ATP to make sure that every challenger streamed around the world. So that is all, if you will, in-house with the ATP. On the women's side, the cutoff, Jamie, is where? 125, that's where the, the lowest level for WTA, is that right? Uh, 125 is a WTA, but it's weird because it's WTA tour or wta tour series so they don't even count it as a true wta it's a it's a weird um level but yes that's under the wta umbrella and then everything else below that is itf which means separate organizational structure there that's why the streaming is not there it's not part of it's not 100k is itf on the women's side where the highest level itf on the men's side is a 25k correct so it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's under a different umbrella that I don't think has the budget necessarily to kind of take on what the men have done. And I don't know if we've ever gotten, I don't know about you, Mike, and never gotten an answer or, or you, Jamie, of why it's been set up this way. Why has the women fallen under that ITF umbrella when the men only have basically... 15k and a 25k that's it that's really all the itf does yeah i don't i still don't know i just know wta and itf don't always see eye to eye together i'm not sure why because i feel like they need to work together in order to in order for us players to continue to move up and for change and things like that so i feel like it's about time they they start working together and maybe they will but it's been a very very slow process your matches were streamed in calgary what where was that going to? What site was that on? Was that on the personal tournament website? Because you guys don't have one, right? No. So that those none of our ITF matches are ever archived. They're always through, whenever they're streamed, all I know, it's through the ITF app. Like we have ITF live scores. Interesting. But go back and watch it, which sucks because I would love to see my most recent matches, but I can't, where I know the men, you guys have an actual platform. And even the WTA qualifying matches, I have no idea where those are streamed. Well, to be fair, the ATP actually doesn't often yeah. stream those qualifiers either, to be yeah. fair. It goes in a weird way. Actually, my you know, friends and family love when I play Challenger. Yeah. It's so easy. It's I've gotten so that a lot, yeah. Yeah, it's like I can't wait for you to play Challenger. But on <laughs> once you get to the ATP, like you know, 250, they have no idea where to watch you. Literally no idea. So we we've almost been you know, beyond fortunate to have livestream.com. And then now it's on the ATP site itself. And and that's almost <laughs> better than any ATP platform, which I, you're trying to create a product or trying to bring women into the sport. And you're, and you made this app, but you know, this is like the whole tennis United thing. We're putting everything on one app, one platform. There should be streaming. There should be archival footage for you guys. Like this is, this is how evolution should take place, but you're not seeing it yet. Um, I wanted to bring some actual numbers into play here. Um, there were there were two 125s 
um, essentially the highest level challenger, um, the lowest level WTA, two combined 125s last year. They were in Vancouver. Um, the men's champ in Vancouver earned 21,600. The women's champ earned 15,000. Um, the other one was, sorry, I'm going, I've gone through, uh, Josh Micellis was, uh, from the ATP challenger tour. Very good in helping me research this. There was one more combined 125 in Marbella. The combined prize money for the women was 92,000 euro. The men was 134,000 euro. So that's again, both at the 125 level in terms of points. But you can see men, you know, it's a, it, I just have the, the prize money at the top is a $6,000 difference for prize money for the winner. Um, and then a combined 40,000 euro difference between the men and the women um, in Marbella. That's, I think that's pretty telling though. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that I really took out of uh, Shapovalov's article, just that he reinforced very, very well. It's one thing at the higher levels, we, you know, that gets discussed a lot. But at this lower level, it is much, much harder for a woman around 200 to make, you know, significant money than it is for the men. Yeah. And in addition, like this is the level, this is what helps us, you know, get to the next level and playing these events. But it's so hard and it's pretty defeating sometimes going into tournaments. Be like, well, this is a week where I'm losing money and, you know, it's a points week and you're not really in your the deficit is a lot. But. I feel we need to do a better job of making making sure we have enough money or more prize money. I don't know where that falls under. I guess that's through the ITF and with the 125s WTA, but it's like how can we make this better because it's it's really really hard to even just break even and then you're just, you know, hoping to get into the slams and those are the weeks that you have to capitalize on instead of I don't know, getting getting more help throughout the year. The slams are interesting. I, I'm curious if any tournaments ever come out and and spoken why on a 125 side why there would be any difference at all. I mean, it should be it should be identical on that side of things. You know, if they're if they're trying to make the argument that more people are coming out for the men's matches, I don't know if anybody's spoken like I'm, that at that you, level. All right, I'm sorry. I'm going to interject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I was just in Canada again last week, uh, Fredericton, Canada. And I was playing the doubles final and there was like, it was packed. Like there was so many, like for a 25 K in the middle of nowhere, Canada. And it was packed. And some people like, Oh, you know, the women aren't bringing in um, people and selling tickets and things like that. Like we, like I've also played the WTA in Austin and it was a great atmosphere. People loved it. You know, it was, it was so much fun. And the women are like, we are selling tickets, not at every event, but people do want to watch women's tennis. So I don't understand why that money can't be brought to the players that are out there. I I find myself um, thinking when it comes to what you were just kind of talking about, Jamie, this whole marketing aspect, right? Um, how uh, this is this is impossible to quantify, but just kind of like that popularity rating that a, a male player might have who's 200 in the world versus a women's player who's 200 in the world. The fact that there are streams every week, you can, you know, if, uh, you know, because of the fact you can go back and clip those those videos so easily, that's going to be on, you know, Instagram. It's going to be on Twitter if there's a highlight shot. So there's going to, and that just, 
it's not really there for the women, is it? it no, it's not. And uh, that's the tough part. And, you know, when me or myself or my agent like talks to companies, like they, they want to, they want exposure and it becomes hard to sell it to them when, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'll be playing this tournament. Is there going to be streaming? Is there television? Like, what are the big events? And, um, you know, it's, it's tough. And especially this year when it's been difficult getting into the bigger events, like they want to know that they're going to be, that their company's going to be seen. And when you can't guarantee it, they're like, well, what's the point of me doing this? Like, you know, they want that. So, um, it's a, I think the highlight, the highlight clips are, are, are good. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a highlight clip of a 60 K on the woman's side, you no. know, or anything like that. I just, I don't, it doesn't happen. There's no streaming. It's the, you don't see it where, you know, I don't know about you, Jane, like I'll, I'll go on Instagram and, and I'll see a challenger shot, you know, some yep. tweener and whatever yep. tournament it just, it pops up. So like, yeah, as much as maybe that's not affecting a lot of people and tennis still has a long way to go, you, you're seeing it, people are seeing it. And that may have 1500 likes that women are just not getting that exposure. So, you know, you want the product to be at the same level, but you haven't put any of the effort into creating that product in any way, shape or form. So and it's tough to ask anything of a woman at that point. And I think too, it would help the tournament as well as if sure. they can get exposure, if there's a clip or something like, Oh, where's this tournament being played? And you know, it's, whatever and then people are like oh i didn't know there's even like it just helps with even with the advertising of the event to help them generate the revenue and put on the event and even help their own sponsors so i feel like it'd be a win-win for everybody um so there I is i mean there's obviously a cost involved right i mean that's that's the aspect um i i can say back in 2019 maybe it was 2019 or 2020 when Tennis Channel was covering some of the challengers, they were just taking our our challenger feed. And I remember in Dallas, it was day three, Wednesday, just a random Wednesday at about 11 o'clock in the morning. And this after the first match, this woman came up to me and she said, I, I live about an hour away, but I saw it on Tennis Channel on Monday night and I, I, I had no idea. So I she drove an hour to get to the Dallas Challenger because she's like, I want to see high-level tennis. It just... I mean, even if it's on Tennis Channel's, you know, the Ocho, whatever, the eighth, you know, channel that they have online, put it on there. Same thing. I would, I, I'm hopeful. And Jamie, I, I want to ask you what you know about the WTA's new deal um, in terms of that, that financial aspect. I'm interested to see if that's going to allow for more streaming at the lower levels or how they work that with the ITF, because I think that's a, I think that's a really, to your point, a, a big way to help close that financial gap at the lower level. Yeah, I know they signed two deals, one with Morgan Stanley, one with CBC. Yeah. I don't know the details. I was even curious, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for the players? Where does this money go into? And I'm still waiting to kind of see <laughs> what they're going to do. But hopefully, um, hopefully it's some of this and um, and hopefully to, you know, distributing the money to the lower level players. So it's not so much of a gap as well, not only between the men and the women, but also on the women's side, the top and the bottom, uh, making it a little bit more of an even playing field. For you, I'm actually curious, I'm bringing this to a little bit different of a conversation, but at the grand slam level, the money the same, is that something that obviously you feel good about? You want to make the same money is the argument of, you are doing the same thing, but you have three out of five sets on one side and you have two out of three in the other. If that went to 
a men's heavy prize money push out because they're doing more work. What would you say to that? So if the men got more money than women at slams, you're saying? Yes. Yes. Um, I always go like there's two sides of it. Um, I still think we should have equal prize money at that level because there's still long and physical matches on the women's side. Yes. We're not playing three out of five. I honestly don't know how I'd be able to play five sets, <laughs> but, um, just the level that you see and you watch, I think is worth it. And people, people want to see that. And I think right now we have a lot of depth. So I would still feel slighted if they're, if the men were getting more, um, but at the same time, I get everyone's point of view and perspective. So I don't. The t- tickets are being sold for him. I, I, it's it doesn't matter if it's two or three or three or five. It's yeah. tickets are being sold. I, yeah, I definitely. I guess the there. argument is, are they? I, I, I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm not being an anti by any means. I'm just curious. Like, are tickets being sold because of the women as well? You're saying. I'm saying I'm saying we should be getting actual stats. If if people are going to make arguments or if tournaments are going to make arguments on either side of it, I, I want to see the numbers more. I think it would make everything. Yeah, but are you going to ask people as they come in the door, like who are you here to see? No, just tracking match attendance. It's hard to do because you're if you're buying like take a night session at the U.S. Open, you're going to get one of each. I, I'm strictly like counting the people in the stadium during those matches. Okay. I'll let you be the one to actually go down on court and just. <laughs> one, <two. laughs> I don't know. I find the women's side to be sometimes more exciting. It's also sometimes more unpredictable, but um, I can definitely say there's a lot of boring men's matches. And I feel like, I don't know. It's, I, mean, I, I just, we feel so disconnected and we've talked about this a lot. I mean, the, from the men's women, as much as tennis United was here and they're trying, uh, we couldn't be more separated, you know? And I, and I feel like if they want us to work together, if they want us to build a product that is this, I, I think you should lean into it. You know, again, like I said, there's no other sport that can combine quite as easily as tennis can and have yeah. combined events. I think that's a product that, is enticing for a lot of people and i just don't think we're leaning into it hard enough and i think another thing too there's so much talk about like who's generating the money is it the men is it this it's like if the tennis is good if it's high level if it's great tennis like yep. that is it that's and that's it. what it be about regardless of the gender and like three out of five sets two out of three like everyone is good and i don't know i feel like if it's if it's great tennis like deserve like we, we all deserve the money agreed and i think and, it's more about just the limbo that tennis always puts us in it's like hey we're working together but we're not but also some of the money's going to go to the men's side or some of the money's going to go and it's like wait are we together in this like can we actually understand because if we're working together then it's fine because you know men you know the men that are pissed off will make the argument that we're the ones bringing the money but it's we're gonna the woman's side is bringing in a certain brand that the men can't and vice versa. And I think if we can actually combine that and combine efforts, but again, it's just Mike and I have talked about the limbo stage forever of just this weird in between of like, okay, we're doing it, but we're not, I'd rather just dive into it. And I mean, I don't know how I feel about tennis United as a whole and like that name and title, but I think there's ways to do it that work and, and then are enticing for, you know, new fans to come in. 
Well, I know stats-wise, um, you know, to Jamie's point, some of the power uh, power shots, the power numbers in terms of off the ground in Australia, um, I think it was Sabalenka who had one of the biggest forehands of the tournament, you know, men or women. Same thing, Matty Keys was right there in terms of pace and power. I mean, the, the game is elite. And, and people who want to watch great tennis – I don't think it necessarily matters men or women. So it's it's hard to really quantify those those types of things. And I think you the three of us all kind of agree that that financial level should equate the same way. Um, it but, feels yeah. like a battle though, doesn't it? Like every time I feel, you know, the women had a good group of marketable players while the men were kind of, I don't know, they had 50 players that could win a tournament at any time. You know, we spoke about this and, and the girls had like a good group of, 10 players that you can all market or, you know, eight players or whatever. And it just felt like, you know, the, the people that were fans of these players were like, you see, we're winning, you know, we're beating men's tennis. Right. And I was like, well, no, like that should never be the narrative. It shouldn't like, it feels like we're just fighting this war within ourselves instead of trying to overcome the other sports around us. Well, it's because the women have been behind for so long. So we're like, all right, we want our moment. That's exactly right. 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 And it we should never be moment. that battle though. <laughs> You know, but then, you know, the fact that we on the men's side can't take, you know, the the, the Williams credit or, or be a part of that and reap the benefits. Is, it just feels like this internal battle where the battle should be outside of us, not internally. You know, we should be happy that on the men's and women's side, we have marketable people, you know, but it feels like it's, oh, the women's side is winning because look at the players that we have at the top. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, or, or the men's side, it's just, I don't know. It's just a constant thing between them where we should be the ones fighting other sports to actually improve and evolve into something that's marketable for everybody. Well, the, I think what would be really marketable um, in come August, September is just uh, reuniting on the tennis court, uh, specifically mixed doubles, um, get, get a little bit of lobe, a little bit of Ruben, put, put it together once again, um, you know, I think I think now's the time to start working on on the wild card campaign. Dynamic duo. Just, just a tour. We just go around and speak of why we deserve <laughs> the U.S. Open mixed doubles wild card. No, that's exactly right. I think that's what needs like, to happen. Why are you here? Why are you here? We're just <laughs> campaigning. We're just campaigning. We have like a tour bus. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can get the the dynamic Hunter. duo um, 2023. <laughs> get the hunter reese school bus to to drive us around i'm a little bit scared of the hunter reese school bus i won't lie to you i love hunter but the the living on a school bus scares scares me a little bit just a little low you're a good doubles player we talked about prize money we uh it's been kind of a topic of discussion a little bit on twitter recently as well of, of are, only, are people only watching doubles for singles God. players, the top singles players? What does that prize money look like? Obviously, we spoke about the men and women. Um, I actually think that at times, most mixed doubles is almost more marketable than doubles itself. But how do you feel about doubles as a whole being a component of the prize money of you know a lot of money that are going into these tournaments? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, you know, I play both singles and doubles. I would like to say I'm a singles player who plays doubles. I really enjoy it. Um, it's helped out my game and I think doubles is good for the game. I know some people have strong opinions about it and may think, you know, it's taking away from singles players or like, let's just focus on singles. But I think doubles does like 
does need to get the recognition. Um, and there's a lot of players that are just doubles only. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I really am for doubles. So. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> where's your <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you fine with the money? You know, you are a single specialist, but are you fine? I know you, you know, you can go into any doubles tournament and, and be, you know, the winner of that tournament. You're that good at doubles, but how do you feel about this being a component of it? I I, I don't know. I think I, I think it's a lose-lose right now for doubles and singles because I don't think doubles will get the marketing it deserves. But at the same time, it's not you know, gaining the same popularity as the single side. So it's not getting what it deserves. And it's also taking from the side that it doesn't deserve to be a part of necessarily. I think it's like this catch 22 where double should almost be like a separate tour a little bit. And, and to see if that can, you know, build the different no. fan base. I feel like, I mean, that- living in the shadow right now is just not going to do anything. It's just, it's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to create more separation and more Correct. confusion and another tour. And people don't know what that means. And, I just, it just gives like players another opportunity. Um, for me, like it'd be tough for me to just switch to doubles only at whatever point, just because of the the money. And I don't think that would be something that's super enticing unless the prize money goes up substantially. But I, I don't think doubles is it's hurting maybe the singles players, but I don't really think it's actually hurting anybody. I think it's hurting you. It's it's hurting Riley Opelka. I think he's been very vocal about it on on social media. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's you're taking you're taking prize money, you know, and you're taking whatever it takes to put on the actual event as well. I don't know. I'm just saying they've so always lived in the. Sh- how would the doubles only only players? How would they make money? Or All they- I know is that doubles was not produced to make money. I mean, I've heard this from many people that work at. AT- ATP, I don't know how WTA narrative has been. I've literally verbatim ATP officials have told me that doubles was created so singles players could have more matches and make a little extra money. It was never meant to be a doubles. There's never supposed to be double specialists ever. That was never supposed to be a thing. So the argument lies that now that it's kind of branched into that and the argument is, you know, does singles players playing doubles, is that the only thing that really brings in, you know, the fans and everything? You know, should that money just be over to the singles and should that be the focus? That's, I mean, that's the argument. Yeah, I would still say they should keep doubles. Yeah, it's fine. It's not hurting anybody. It just isn't. You say that, but I mean, that's just not true. Like if Jamie's making $1,000 at her tournament, if Jamie's making $1,000 at her 60K or whatever that week, that could be two grand. That's what it's hurting. A tournament putting on a doubles event at a challenger, you're you're putting in another twenty five thousand dollars for that. I think I think fifty thousand dollars. I think you are. I think if if a tournament organizer doesn't have to provide the financials for a doubles tournament, they're not going to make it a sixty k. They're going to drop it down to a forty k, because they don't have to pay that anymore. But the ones that can, or two fifty, two fifty, the ones that can put it on. Okay, the, they're not going to five k for a first round loss. You're not making. They're not. You're you're getting less. You're getting less matches. So as a result, your ticket revenue is going to be less. Your 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 uh, concession revenue is going to be less. 
All right, we're getting into the week. Let's, yeah, this no, is. No, no, that's not the week. I, that's, I, that's the actual listen, conversation. I know, but. I mean, we're talking about price. Yeah, but I have time. to I have to go be a parent, and Marnie has a couple questions she uh, wants yeah, to yeah, ask yeah. you, and so I don't have the time to get, you know, all deep in it here. Um, uh, Jamie, uh, before before Marnie comes in and does her, her little bit here, uh, it's been a while um, since you've joined us on the show. H- how are you? Do you have any questions you want to ask on the record of, uh, pickleball legend Noah Rubin while you're here. Uh, well, thank you for having me again. It has been a while. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm currently, uh, in this moment in time in New York, um, not for long be on the road again in a couple of days. Um, yeah, grinding, playing, um, trying to stay healthy and just trying to enjoy my time on court. You know, it's a roller coaster, but we're, we're hanging on. Um, yeah, Noah, what's, uh, how's pickleball? <laughs> I care with you guys. And then Mike's dying laughing before you finish the question. Are you on mute or are you just not even saying? No need. Silent laugh like that? No need. So creepy. Uh, everything's good here. Everything's good. You know, we, uh, we did we got a proof of concept for our documentary out, which you know not a lot of people know about, and be coming out with more details soon. Say again. So when am I going to be featured in it? <laughs> when am I going to be you featured are the in documentary. it? Documentary. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Fucking literally never. <laughs> nice sign behind you, which we haven't spoken about. Yeah, thanks. Your subject. Yeah, uh, it looks really pretty. Uh, for those who are listening, it's. A brand new BTR pod um, neon sign. Uh, Noah has one too, but his is cracked. So I love how yeah, Noah have to work on it. question, but it's totally fine. Yeah, I know. Didn't say a yeah, darn no, thing about it, the pickleball. It's, it's fine. Pickleball is interesting. I, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're trying to be a lot like tennis. Um, the tournaments are exhausting. I mean, you're playing a full tournament in one day. Actually really tiring. Um, yeah, there are definitely some things that are a little disappointing more than others. Um, but I get, have you even, you've played a little bit, right? Me? Yeah. 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 Played a handful. I also still have the, the paddles you gave me. I haven't used them yet, but, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. We got to get out there recreationally, like so much fun to like, just get out there and like, I mean, Mike would be awful at it, but you know, anybody Dude, that's actually okay. I'm actually all right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be joining the APP PPA PAP, whatever it is, tours uh, that there are, but I, I, I can, I can handle my own. Okay, we'll make a, a gathering in Tulsa in the next two, next two months. Can we do so it anywhere and, but uh, Tulsa, please? <laughs> please? Your, your, your kind are not allowed here. Remember? Ah, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> but did you? <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, don't it's know rough here. Uh, I love you both. Um, I think there's a decent possibility that I see Jamie in a month or so. We're going to try to make something work. We're going to yeah. see. Savannah, maybe, Savannah's maybe. coming up. I. <sighs> Noah, you can come join us in Savannah too. It's. I will. I'll, I'll do uh they wanted me to do a pickle and tennis exhibition there. Might, maybe I do it at the same time. Actually. Mixed doubles. There you go. Dynamic <laughs> duo. Mm, I don't think I can do that with you. All right. You um, said no to me too often, you know? Okay. <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. Um, okay. Uh, I love you both. Um, talk soon. Um, I'm going to let my eight-year-old Marnie come in and ask you guys a couple questions if you're all right with that. Sounds good. Okay. 
Amen. Are you ready for this, Marty? Sure. <laughs> That's very convincing. Okay, so you prepared questions for Jamie and I, or so the first thing you have to do is just type. You got it. Okay. What was your first job? Both. Is this to me? To you, you. Could, you could take it low. <laughs> my first job, um, my first and only job so far has been a professional tennis player. I um, wish I could make up something more special than that. Uh, I actually always wanted to work in an ice cream shop before. And I, and I always wanted Ralph's Italian ice to be my first job, but it didn't happen that way. I think tennis player, tennis coach is the closest I got into another job. What about you, Marnie? I've never had a job. <laughs> <laughs> what will your first job be? I don't know. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. Okay. Same. <laughs> okay, what's your next question? Well, I have a follow-up question. Okay. How much did you get paid? <laughs> really diving deep here. Um... Yeah, Noah, you want to go with that one? Yeah, I mean, I remember my first future getting cold, hard cash. And it was super strange. It was like very unprofessional how they handed it over. You like go to the desk and they gave you like, I was a 15 year old kid and they gave, you know, $500 or $480 cash. Uh, I think that was kind of my first check. And then I got my US Open money, Marnie, but I had to give it back which was a lot of money and I had to give that money back so I can play college tennis. Yeah, what, about what about you, Jamie? Uh, I would say the same. I, I think my first tournament, I was it in Buffalo? I think that was my first one. And uh, I think I was just really excited to get prize money. And I was like, oh my God, look at this. And yeah, it was like a whopping, probably what, $500 at the time. Nice. Um, yeah, Max. Um, yeah, that was that was the first time I got paid. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marnie, what's next? What did you do on spring break? I went to New Orleans slash Nolens. <laughs> <laughs> what is spring break? I don't think we've ever had a spring break because that was always Easter Bowl. I feel like always in Palm Springs. What yeah. In, what about in school? Yeah, when we were in school, we had a tennis tournament in Indian Wells, California every year in um, Palm Springs that I know I remember missing everyone going to like Mexico or Dominican Republic or whatever. You went to New Orleans, it was very cool. But yeah, we I don't think I've ever experienced ever spring yeah. break in any regard from elementary school through college i don't think i ever really did a in college break. we went to charleston and then charlotte so okay. we really kept it local other years right. they went to I think mexico and puerto rico but yeah did you like new orleans yes what you do there i ate seafood <laughs> hey that's enough for me what, what do you got? What else do you got? What is the biggest purchase you've ever made and you cannot count your house? 
Who said we we own a house? Because <laughs> we don't. Uh, Daddy said to not count the house. Okay. Like he literally said house. The biggest purchase we ever made. Noah's definitely more than mine for sure. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm actually curious on low part, but the what? person that comes to mind. <laughs> You're going to laugh at this one. Buying my Montclair jacket. Montclair jacket. Do you know what Montclair jacket is, no. Marnie? It's a fancy winter coat. Yep. That <laughs> is probably around $1,200. I think I got mine at an outlet for like 900 But still, I don't know. I feel like that was, for me, that was a big purchase, a one-time purchase. That is a big purchase. Um, I've bought and sold watches before, Marnie, that are are fairly expensive. Uh, also got, you know, the other, <laughs> the other Jamie, my fiance, I got her an engagement ring, which was pretty expensive as well. So that would probably be up there on the largest purchase that we don't have to talk about numbers though <laughs> what about you what's the most expensive thing you ever bought a pokemon card <laughs> no those, no those cost they don't cost that much daddy just told me to do my my last questions okay what is it what's your favorite dessert and what's your favorite Low. ice cream like love okay um, I'm a chocolate girl through and through. I would say I, most recently I had a very good dessert. It's a gluten-free peanut butter chocolate fudge cheesecake. And it was great. And chocolate <laughs> my favorite ice cream. Chocolate your favorite? Yeah, tough. I would say soft serve is vanilla for me. Um, hard ice cream, I would choose either chocolate or cookies and cream would be up there for me. Uh, I would say dessert. Marty may have not even ever heard of this, but a Napoleon, if you can get one of those in wherever in Tulsa may have Napoleon at an Italian bakery, they are very, very good. It's like this crispy cake little thing with filling inside of it. It's, it's quite good, but yeah, I don't get to eat that too often. And your favorite dessert, Marnie? Ice cream. And what's what your favorite? What flavor? Chocolate and vanilla swirl. Smart. Nice. Okay. Um, why do you prefer? Why do you prefer those flavors than strawberry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who eats strawberry? I don't. Nobody does. <laughs> yeah, strawberry is a fruit. It's like uh, like flavored ice cream i i know yeah, I, mean, I would do sorbet maybe in strawberry but very rarely would i ever get strawberry ice cream and you don't like it either right marnie no no marnie i have one last question for you okay do you think men and women should be paid the same to do the same job mm, yes that's my girl Thanks for coming, Marnie. We have to make up a name for what this is. Like Marnie's Mike, Jamie came up with, or if you want to come up with a name for what we call this as we perfect this little segment. Okay. I know. Okay. Marnie's jokes. I'm open. 
I'm open. Thank you. So we're gonna we're gonna have Marnie's jokes every every week, every other couple of weeks. Yeah. So now you have to bring your dad on. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Marnie. Bye, Marnie. <laughs> the show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.